0: of you. It's no worries if you were out. We can can easily catch you up. It's no big deal. Um, We know that our battle is not physical. We know that our battle is spiritual. And our battle takes place not here but in the heavenly places which is the spiritual realm. Now We've got to make sure that we know that we have weapons to use in that spiritual realm. And tonight, we're going to dive into session two, which is the belt of truth. Now, Paul gives us a specific wardrobe in Ephesians to use against spiritual warfare. There are six pieces. Like I said, we're going to go over the belt of truth, the very first piece tonight. There's five, def- five defensive pieces. There's one offensive piece. All pieces are necessary. No part of our life should be exposed or left unprotected. The Bible didn't tell us to put on one or two pieces. He said to put on the whole armor of God. Last week, God told us to stand firm, to stand firm against Satan, to stand firm against the schemes of our devil. And that's why we don't have anything for our back. And I was thinking about that this week. God don't want us to run away from Satan. God don't want us to run away from the schemes of the devil or run away like cowards. He wants us to stand firm and face Him every single day. So I don't know if you know what the armor of God is. I don't know if you know how to put it on. So hopefully this next six sessions beginning tonight will help you get a better understanding of what the armor of God is and how to put it on. We're going to start with a summary. I need it so I can see in the back. There we go, I can see now. Um, the belt is our standard, the belt is our foundation. So, session two, the summary is just as the belt is worn close to our body. We've got to make sure that we hold God's truth close to us and allow it to surround us. You know, when we remain in His Word, that's going to help us distinguish what's true and what's not true. So that's sort of an overview, a summary of what session two is about. just like last week we had a scripture memory this week's scripture memory comes from john it's in chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 it says if you continue in my word you really are my disciples you will know what you will know the truth and the truth will set you free that's john 8 31 32 now Paul compares our armor, our spiritual armor, to those of a first-century Roman soldier. Okay, the picture on the left is a picture of a first-century Roman soldier. Now, the picture on the right is a picture of the actual belt. Now, the belt was several inches wide. You can see it's 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 this one's made of leather with some straps that's kind of hanging down. That belt had a lot of functions. For example, it helped the first century Roman soldier for movement. Now, they wore these long tunics. If you've ever seen a picture or a movie that had some Roman soldiers that was in it. And for them to move freely, for them to move a little bit faster, they would raise that tunic and stuff it in their belt. Or sticking inside their belt to allow them to move a little bit faster. Now, a Roman soldier's belt was a useful tool. When you first looked at that picture, you probably didn't notice the belt. Maybe you've noticed the helmet with the f- big red feathers on the top. Maybe you noticed the breastplate that was covering the chest. Maybe you noticed the enormous shield that helped protect them in battle. Maybe you noticed their sword was several feet long. There's so many parts of the Roman soldier, but Paul chose the belt as the very first piece to put on. He didn't choose the most noticeable one. He didn't choose the most impressive one. He chose the very first thing that a soldier put on. He chose the belt. The belt, like I said, is the foundation. It is the standard. It's the hanging piece. It's a central hanging piece for every other piece of armor there. And without the belt, nothing would be in place very long. Paul says if we want any chance of standing firm against the schemes of the devil, against the schemes of your enemy, you must be committed to the truth, which is the belt. That's the very first piece you should put on. So, What is the belt? What is the belt of truth? We know that we're not in a physical battle. We know that we are in a spiritual battle every day. What would happen if you went into battle? Everybody is armored up. But you go into battle and you have nothing on. That's going to make you an easy target for Satan. That's going to make you an easy target for the devil and its demons. So, what is the belt of truth? Well, we look in Ephesians chapter 6, 13 and 14, and it says, "...stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth." This is like I said, this is the very first thing that you put on that Paul mentions. It's the very first piece of equipment. Now, we hear about the belt in the Bible. 1st and 2nd Samuel talks about or mentions a belt, a sword inside of a belt. The book of Mark talks about a belt but money is inside the belt. There's only one time in the New Testament that the belt of truth is mentioned, and that's in Ephesians 6, 13, and 14. So as Christians, we must know that God's Word is the truth. Also, God Himself in John 14, 6, God describes Himself as the way, the truth, and the life. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, each and every day, like I said before, we're in a spiritual battle every day. So we've got to make sure that we ask God to equip us every day. No days off. Spending time in Scripture. Spending time in His Word. Spending time in the truth. Spending time in prayer. Now, what does this truth, what does it do? Well, the truth gives us courage to stand against our enemy. Now, remember, the weapons of Satan is the exact opposite. Satan wants to deceive you. Satan wants to destroy you. He's the father of lies. Satan works against the truth. So, what we've got to make sure also... The truth is going to guard us against the many lies of Satan. Now, Satan, we see in Scripture, in Genesis 3, that the devil likes to operate in what, the, what we call half-truths. Half-truth is a statement that's intended to deceive. In Genesis 3, part of what Satan told Eve was true. Now, I'm going to read just a, 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 a couple of sentences out of what a story about what Dr. Evans was describing half-truths. He said, this reminds me of a story about a man who went fishing and brought home 20 catfish for his wife. He said, honey, I caught 20 catfish today. That was a fact. He actually done what he said. He had brought home the 20 catfish he caught. His wife, however, knew that he wasn't a very good fisherman. So she asked him, how did you catch 20 catfish? He answered, Well, I went to the fish market and asked the guy to toss me 20 catfish, and I caught them all. So, part of that was true, but part of it wasn't. And we can see that the the devil likes to operate on these half-truths. Now, we see that also the devil twists the truth ever so slightly to cause people to stumble away from God's truth. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. If we know the truth, if we know God's truth, the whole truth, as in John 8, 32, that truth is going to set us free. So just like the Roman soldiers our belt of truth sets us apart. This is the very first piece of armor that, like I said, that we're going to put on. How does it set us apart, though? Well, as Christians, we live by the Word of God. It's your responsibility to know the Word, to know the truth, and live by it. Now, Guys, we can win these spiritual battles when we know God's Word and can easily detect Satan. So it it sets us apart by identifying us as children of God. And it identifies us as followers of Jesus. And also the truth, like I said before, is the foundation. It's the standard to our identity in Christ. That's what the truth is. So, what Paul is teaching us is that the believer, in order to do battle with our enemy, needs to know the truth. Now, about 2,000 years ago, a Roman governor asked a familiar question to a man who was about to be executed. He just simply said to him, what is the truth? We've got no way of knowing that question that Pilate asked Jesus was a serious question or a sarcastic question. But we do know that minutes later, he turned Jesus over to an angry crowd to be crucified. Now, Pilate judged that truth. Pilate sanctioned the truth. Pilate mocked that truth. Pilate crucified that truth. But when he asked Jesus... What is truth? That truth was standing right in front of him. God's Word is that truth. Now, I've got a section right there. How would you answer Pilate's question? Take a second. If Pilate asked you the same question that he asked Jesus, How would you answer that? So, what is the truth? John seventeen, seventeen says, Your word is the truth. When we stand in the truth, we speak from the truth revealed to us through Scripture, revealed to us through the Bible. So we've got to know the truth about God. We've got to know the truth about Christ. And we've got to know the truth about The Bible. We've got to know the truth about Scripture. Now, God gave us this so we would have His truth. Now, the way that you can determine when something isn't right is because you know the standard. You know the truth. And you know what's right. So if you don't have an understanding of the truth... This armor, the rest of this armor, it's useless. So, a couple of things that the truth does to us. The truth transforms us. The truth makes us holy. And the truth changes us from the inside out. Like I said before, If you don't have an understanding of the truth, the rest of this, it's useless. Now, the more we know about God, the more truth we know from Scripture, the better we're going to be when we go into battle. We've got to make sure that we fasten our truth tightly. We fasten that belt tightly around our waist. Now, Jesus used the truth, and we talked about this a little bit last week. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by Satan three times. And he used the truth. You remember what he said? It is written. Satan, it is written. Satan, it is written. Satan, it is written. That's what we should do as well. That's what we should do. So, apart... Apart from Jesus' teaching... Did a little research this week, and the subject of truth is scattered a, 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 about two, more than 200 times throughout the Bible. Now, I just pulled out a few of these verses that talks about the truth. John 8, 30, 32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 1:14 says, full of grace and truth. John 17, 17 says, Your word is truth. John 18, 37 and 38 says, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So that's just a few of the verses that talks about truth. Now, like I said before, when we stand in truth, we speak the truth revealed to us through Scripture or through the Bible. The truth is the standard. It is the foundation. And without the truth, I keep saying this, the rest of this armor is useless. Now, we don't want to go into battle and put our armor on after we get in there. We want to make sure that we put it on before. You can't be out without any armor when you have darts from Satan flying everywhere. You better be armed before you get into the battlefield, or you're going to lose. So don't go to battle without the truth, or you're going to lose. So the next section that we talk about is the liar. Now, the belt of truth is designed to stabilize things by keeping them in order. It's the foundation. It's the standard. It keeps everything in place. Now, Satan will use this truth to try to deceive you. Satan's number one strategy to distort God's truth. Now this is important in spiritual battle too, because like I said, Satan is the ultimate twister of truth. Now let me tell you what Jesus said about Satan in 8, John 8:44. 8, it says, "You are of the father the devil" And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. We see right there in John 8.44 that Satan is the father of lies. So, how does, how does Satan lie? He does it in a number of ways. He may lie through false prophets. He may lie through false teachers. There are so many voices in the world. Some people don't, be, don't know who to believe. There are so many false teachers out there. And like I said in John 8, Satan is the head one. He's the father of them all. Now, the difficult part for us is recognizing his lies. Now, Satan, he may also lie through feelings. Satan may also lie through situations. Satan may also lie through people. Satan may also lie through your thoughts, he twists the truth in order to deceive you. Don't buy into Satan's lies. Don't tri- don't trip and fall. Have that belt of truth firmly, firmly fastened around your waist, and you will not fall into Satan's lies. So. Satan also lies very specifically according to he, who he's speaking to. Remember last week, the, the demonic realm knows your weak spots. He knows your sin patterns. Their job is to what? To find those and to exploit your weaknesses. So, the lies are very specific according to your own personality. So, when he confronts you with lies, he's going to hit you at your deepest point. Okay, the deepest level. Maybe you're insecure about yourself. Maybe you have desires. Well, the demonic realm knows that because he knows your sin patterns. So he's going to hit you okay, at, at your knees and put you at your knees, maybe insecurity. maybe desire. So like I said before, Satan will use the truth to deceive you. Satan will lose, use the truth to destroy you. There are many lies that Satan will use. Some try to beat you down. You won't accomplish anything. You're a failure. Nobody loves you. Man, you See how it makes it feel unworthy. The bad news is that those lies, they're not going away until Jesus returns. But the good news is you've got the weapons and you've got the armor to fight those lies, to fight against the lies, to fight against the schemes of the devil. Do you see how how that works? Now, like I said, Satan works against the truth of your life. I'm going to read 1 John 4, 4. And it says, Little children, you are from God... And have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, John tells us that the one in us is greater than the one in the world. So, who is in us? Well, Christ is in us. Well, who's in the world? We know Satan's in. Truth is what God says. Lies are what Satan says. So how are we going to fight these lies? How are we going to fight these lies of Satan? Remember we live in a physical world. Remember that our battle is spiritual. It's fighting Us every day. One of the weapons that we're going to use in the spiritual realm is the belt of truth. Now, this will begin our armor. And hopefully, you're going to be able to stand firm withstand the devil. We're going to never, never fight these spiritual battles alone so the last section that we're going to go over is putting on the belt putting on the belt I said before that Satan's number one strategy is distorting God's truth now truth for us is essential in life in making wise decisions especially in the spiritual life. Now, the advantage of the Internet is that we have access to unfiltered information from all over the world. That's an advantage. The disadvantage of the Internet is that we have advantage or we have access to unfiltered information from all over the world. Now, it's sometimes hard to tell what's true and what's untrue. So, the truth, if we know the truth, we're going to be able to stand firm against our enemy. The truth that we are to surround ourselves With God's truth, which is God's Word. Like I said before, we're never going to have to fight these spiritual battles alone. And if we put on the truth, the belt of truth, and we know God's truth, we're going to be able to withstand. And stand firm against our our enemy. Now, just a couple of verses right there that talks about the word of truth. Psalm 119, 160. God's word is the truth. John 17, 17. Your word is truth. And 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Handling The word of truth. Now, putting on the belt is putting on the truth of the Bible. Just as the belt gave the warrior freedom, the belt of truth provides spiritual freedom for those that trust and belong to Jesus. So to put on the belt of truth, we've got to start with Scripture. We've got to start with knowing God's truth. How do we do that? well, we get it close to you. We understand what it does or what it says. And we know what it teaches. There are so many ways to experience it, whether you read it, whether you listen to it. As we explain the full armor of God in the next coming weeks, ask the Lord to equip you with His belt of truth Every single morning that you get up. No days off. So as we're wrapping up with with this, what does it mean for our lives today? Well, I wrote down a couple of things. Truth holds us together. God's truth is the foundation. It's the standard. It's the center of our lives. The center of our lives, we got to place everything in Jesus. If we don't know the truth, we don't have anything. We're empty. But when we know the truth and live the truth, we can access those weapons really quickly. Now, I don't know what your issues are tonight. But I can promise you, for every issue that you're facing, there are several passages in Scripture, great passages, that talks about that particular issue that you're going through. When these attacks, when these attacks come at you, You can do exactly what Jesus said and what he did in the wilderness. Satan, it is written, and then quote Scripture. Now, the enemy, when the enemy comes at you, whatever you're going through, Satan, it is written, and quote Scripture. If you do that enough times, you can be victorious in your Christian and your spiritual life. So the whole point is knowing th- this evening is knowing God's truth. And that's why Paul described the first piece of armor that you put on is the belt of truth. Now it's 5:40.
1: ...to wage victorious spiritual warfare. And the first piece of armor that's a part of your wardrobe is the belt of truth. Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. And it is the stabilizing piece of armor, which is why it's the first piece. In the same way that we wear belts to stabilize our clothing and to keep things intact, God has given us truth as the stabilizing force in our lives, because you see our enemy only knows how to function in lies. And that is why truth must be foundational for everything else. All the other pieces of armor hang on this belt called truth. And there's never been a time when this belt has been needed more. We live in a day of relativism. We live in a day where absolute truth has been disregarded and thrown out of the window. But there are two answers to every question. God's answer, and everybody else's, and everybody else is wrong. So no matter what you're facing, return to God's perspective on the matter, which is truth, because it will then be the basis of you addressing anything else that comes to face you and attack you, seeking to defeat you, because truth alone is the basis of your victory. us to the first piece of attire that gives you victory in the spiritual realm which affects how things work in the physical realm and he calls it gird up your loins with truth verse 14 says gird up your loins with truth the first thing that you must keep with you at all times is a truth belt. To gird up your loins means to put on a belt. Virtually all the men here have belts on. The loin is the waist area. He says, gird up your loins with truth. Many of the ladies here have Belts on. A belt for a man holds up his pants, keeps his shirt tucked in. What a belt does is bring order to the attire. You know, with a belt, you, you aren't sagging and you shouldn't be. I don't get that. Every time I see somebody sagging, I want to go buy a belt or use a belt. But it brings order and it holds things in place. The belt. Holds thing that keeps the pants up. It keeps the shirt in. It holds things in place. So he's using the human body to make a spiritual point. Gird up, belt your loins with truth. The belt is usually buckled when things have been situated, and then you keep them situated with the belt. You, 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 you. You button the pants, you tuck in the shirt, and now you want it to hold. You, you, don't, you don't want it shifting on you. You don't want it moving on you. And so you tie it all together with the belt. When the belt's there, then now I'm ready to move. I'm ready to, I'm ready to move because now... I won't disturb the order of things if I if if I keep my belt buckled. He says, he says if you're going to win in the spiritual realm, you need a belt. And the name of this belt is called truth. You never leave home without it. Because it'll hold things together. Now, taking it from this contemporary context to the historical one, All of you who've watched movies from the Roman era, which is when the Bible was written or when these activities occurred, know that they walked around in tunics, sort of long robes. That's how uh, the people dressed, men and women. They, They dressed in these tunics, these long robes. Except when they were going to do something serious. Because then they would tie the tunic. They would gird their loins with a belt or a rope or a piece of cloth. They would lift up the tunic and tuck it inside the belt or the rope or the piece of cloth. When they did that, that meant they were they were getting ready to move. Either they had work to be done and they didn't want to step on the tunic, or, or they uh, uh, had activities to take care of and they needed things to be, because they were going to be in movement and in motion. So to hold things together in their movement, they would gird up their loins. That is, they would take the tunic and tuck it in and tighten the belt because they were about to move. When a Roman soldier was about to go to, go to battle, he would tie up his tunic because he was getting ready now to go to war. He says, keep your belt on with truth. Now this raises a fundamental question for us and our culture today and Pilate asked it many years ago. What is truth? What is truth? What is this thing called truth? Because it is your understanding of truth because truth is all over the place today. You hear people regularly talking about my truth. I know my truth, my truth. It is because we do not understand this belt and why it is so critical and I'll tell you why it's critical in a moment that we start off dressing wrong and when you start off dressing wrong everything else is going to look out of place he says the first thing you must never leave home without is truth our world today is full of opinions prognostications perceptions the pundit's are forever moving in realms of pomposity, of discussion that that leave us guessing what was true yesterday is not true today. Coffee is bad for you. We had another research, coffee not that bad for you. You know, it it keeps it keeps jumping all over the place. So when it comes to food and and, and some medicines and stuff. You don't know whether to take it or not because yesterday would we'll kill you, but a new study tells you today it's all right. And so you're not sure what is true. What is true? Here, here, here's, here's the definition of true. Truth is an objective standard by which reality is measured. It is an objective standard that is a standard outside of you it is it is outside of you it is an objective standard by which you measure the reality of something it is not predicated first and foremost on how you feel or what you think about it it's not predicated on how you feel or what you think about it to determine whether it's truth. Truth is an objective standard by which reality is measured. It's a fixed standard. Truth is that to which all things must conform. Truth is reality In its original norm, that is, truth is that which is real because it was real originally. So in order to discover truth, you look for origin. Since God is the originator of all origin, only God can be the fixed standard of what is true. Because he is the origin of it. There is no pre-origin to God. So there's nobody behind God that you can go to to check on God. There's nobody you can go to to say, did God know what he was talking about, thinking about, saying when he said, did, or thought this? Because that is the original norm. It is an objective standard by which reality, what is real, is measured. Since God is the originator, and since God is perfect, it is absolutely critical that he is the point of reference. Suppose you jump on a plane and the pilot said, I I think this is the right way to go. I I think I'm going, Noah. Noah. I, th- I think, I feel it. I feel it. I mean, we wouldn't function well like that. You'd probably get off that plane. He talking about, I think it's going to lift off. <laughs> you know what pilots are taught? Pilots are taught to read the instruments and never go by how you feel. Because you, what, up there in the space, you can get disoriented. Because you can feel you're going right side up and really be upside down. That's what they believe happened with John Kennedy. That he got disoriented and, and, and that he was upside down when he thought he was right side up. And he plunged into the ocean because he was disoriented. He was deceived by the environment. Satan is the great deceiver. He can flip you upside down and you think you're right side up. And how many of us have thought we were going right side up only to discover we were upside down? That's why they have control towers. They have objective standards outside of you to let you know whether you're headed right, to let you know. See, you looking out there, the pilot looking out there, I don't see any planes. That doesn't mean a thing. That doesn't mean a thing you don't see any planes. There is a control tower that gives you an objective standard that tells you whether you see a plane or not, there is a plane there because your sight line is limited. Here's the question of truth. The question of truth boils down to one thing. What will be your final standard? That, that, it boils down to that. Will it be your emotions? The problem with that is feelings change. Feelings change. You're happy, you're sad, you're glad, you're mad. Feelings change. You cannot use your feelings as a measurement of truth. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not suggesting you disregard feelings. Feelings are real. Feelings are there. I'm not saying you skip feelings. I am saying you don't allow feelings to be the final arbitrator of what the truth is. You see, that, That's a big difference. Acknowledge them, have them, God gave us feelings, but never allow them to be the final determiner of truth. You say, well, I'm smart. In my mind, I, I, I can figure this out. I don't care how smart you are, You are finite in your brilliance. You are smartly limited. You have limitations. That's why with new information we go, oh. How many times have you went, oh, or oops? New information was added to your brilliance that you were previously unaware of, which made you change your view. New information. That's why they do all these studies, come up with new information and tell you different things because they get new data. God is the only one who has all the information. Everybody else is ever learning it. So we're finite in our minds. What will we use? Our moral instincts? Well, they vary. Everybody has different opinions about right and wrong and good and bad and up and down. So you must, I must, we must make a definitive statement about truth. Watch this. Even when we don't like it. Because I'm going to tell you now, a lot of truth, you don't like it. My father, and he will kill me if I don't edit this off of the tape. By the time he hears it, because my parents regularly tell me, stop using us in your sermons. Find find them people down there and use them. So he'll tell me that in a minute. And uh, my father one day went to the doctor. And the doctor was telling him what was wrong and what he had to do. And my father did not like what the doctor had to say. He did not like it. I said, Dad, what did the doctor say? He told me what the doctor said. Then he said, I ain't fooling with him. (laughs) I said, well, wait a minute. He did the test. He did the examination. He said this was wrong. He said, I ain't fooling with him. I said, well, what you going to do? And his answer was, change doctors. (laughs) Isn't that what we do? When we hear somebody who says the truth, but we don't like the truth, we switch. Folks switch churches because they don't want the truth. Folks switch counselors because they don't like it. Folks switch friends because they don't like it. That's not, the question is, is it the truth? Why? Why is this a critical issue? Because demons piggyback on lies. See, see this is why this is not a small issue. Demons ride horseback on lies. So if you have believed a lie, you have invited a demon. Okay, did you hear me? If you believe a lie, remember the schemes of the devil are deception. If you believe a lie, you have now told a demon you have permission to ride me. Ride my back, control my life, because that is the engine they piggyback on. See, so many of us are demon-led demon-led, thinking we're okay. We're flying upside down, thinking we're right side up, and demons are behind the wheel. Okay, now that was deep. And that's the truth. He says... Put on your belt. Don't leave home without it. You function with a mindset of truth, with a fixed standard. Here is why. Because your soul and my soul, which is the mind, the emotions, and the will, that's your soul, has been distorted. I hate to tell you that, but it's distorted. It's distorted. It's jacked up. It's messed up. You can't trust you. See, the moment you begin to trust you over God, I mean, the moment you, I mean, all of us have kids who do this, who think they're grown. Come on, you ever had a kid thought they were grown? Even if, you had a, even if you don't have children, you were a child. Thinking you were grown. And the reason I know that is because your mama told you. They think they're grown. So they will tell a parent with no experience, no knowledge, no money. They ain't got nothing going for them. But they will tell a parent how things ought to be. And, and then guess what they do? They will go use their friends as a way to endorse them talking to you. Well, my friends, they will, they will, try, to, they will try to bumwash you with group thinking. And their friends are as ignorant as they are. Well, we're God's children. We're children. We, we don't know enough to have independent truth. And so we live lives upside down rather than right side up because of distorted souls. And that's when they get their entrance, the demonic realm. And when they do, they establish a hard drive in the head because the way they rule you, the spiritual realm we're talking about is in your mind your problem, my problem, our problem is between our ears that's where the problem is what you're struggling with, what you do is here it's all here Look at, look at, look at, uh, real quickly, Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10. Well known scripture. Spiritual warfare, verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. the, The way you win is not with your human capacities. But divinely inspired for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying, look at what we're destroying, speculations and every lofty thing raised up against, guess what? The knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to obedience of Christ. He says... What the evil world wants to do is set up a fort in your mind and create speculations. Every time a demon hears you say, I think, they say, hey, pay attention. We got her. We got him because she didn't go on to her thinking. He didn't go on to his thinking. So what they do is set up a fort. It says fortresses, a fort, okay? And they set up a fort that must be dismantled we must destroy, it says, speculations, your, 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 uh, your ideas. He says we are to destroy speculations and we are to destroy um, not only speculations, but every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Here it is. You ought to get rid of, I am to get rid of, we ought to get rid of anything that blocks God's point of view from getting through. Anything that blocks God's point of view from getting through must be torn down. Because if they can get a fort, block out God's point of view, leave you with your point of view, your mama's point of view, your friend's point of view, your neighbor's point of view, and your own personal point of view, gotcha. That realm owns you. And you find yourself in a stronghold. The stronghold is a spiritual thing you can't shake. Because the knowledge of God, was not bad. the word lofty thing means, part- uh, the, the Greek word means partition. And it's like some of our rooms on the side, some of our bigger rooms have partitions down the middle. You can, you can block them off so that they become two rooms. What Satan wants to do is pull a partition in your mind. He want, look, here's what he wants. He wants you to have the God side And he wants you to have the man side. He wants you to have the Bible side and he wants you to have what other people think side. He doesn't mind you having the God side as long as there's a partition. He does not mind you saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord, preach it, let me read my Bible. He wants you, he likes you going to church as long as you have the partition. As long as on Monday you're going to flip and go to the other side, he owns you because he's created a partition of the mind that keeps truth or the knowledge of God from flowing through. And if he can keep the partition up so that you speculating and pontificating and, 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 and are consumed with the human point of view, it blocks out the knowledge of God. And without the knowledge of God, you do not have the work of God, the power of God, the spirit of God bringing you victory. And so he says that there's got to be truth with a belt that you, you wear all the time. Let me tell you something else about truth. Truth is more than information and more than facts. It includes information and it includes fact, but you can have fact and information and not have truth. Sometimes truth can be tough. I'm reminded of the humorous story of the, uh, the two very wicked businessmen. These were some two evil businessmen. And they start attending this church but they were wicked. The pastor knew they were wicked. But they started attending the church. And the church was in a building fund campaign. So they needed money. But, and, they, and these two rich businessmen were now starting to come to the church for more social reasons. But they were coming to the church. But they were filthy rich. One of the businessmen, one of the brothers, died. The other wicked brother came to him and said, Now, pastor, I know you're in this building fund. And I have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that I want to write a check out for the building fund for you under one condition. When you funeralize my brother next week, you've got to call him a saint. You've got to say as part of the funeral, he's a saint. And then I'll give you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, the pastor is caught on the horns of a dilemma because he knows this guy is not a saint. Yeah, he needs his money because he's in a building program. So the question was, how can I be authentic and tell the truth and not lose this money? Or can I? It came to the funeral. It was time for the eulogy. He began speaking about this brother and he said, this man was wicked, evil. He was almost Satan incarnate in his business practices. But compared to his brother, he's a saint. There's a way to deal with the truth. So what am I saying? Jesus made a statement. You don't have to turn there, but you all know it. John 8. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now everybody likes to quote that without having defined the truth. See, so that's a nice thing to throw out there to make it sound like you're using the Bible. But unless what you're calling true is what God says is true, it's not the truth. I don't care how many people voted for it. I don't care how many people agree with it. I don't care how popular it is. If it disagrees with a divine point of view, it's not the truth so you won't be free. You will not be delivered, you will not be victorious, and you sure enough won't be free indeed. For he who the sun sets free is sure free, indeed free, for real free, because the truth sets people free. But it's God's truth, not your truth. It's God's truth, not man's truth. It's God's truth because the demonic spiritual realm, here it is, Jack Nicholson said it best. Can't handle the truth. See, they can't handle the truth. When Jesus was being attacked by the devil and he hit him three times with the truth, the Bible says and the devil left him cuz he couldn't. He, he he couldn't take it He couldn't handle it Because his nature is a lie His nature is deception So you keep hammering with the truth Even though you don't feel it You keep hammering with the truth Even though you don't like the truth You keep hammering with the truth Even though the truth is not what you want But you keep hammering with the truth Yeah I know what you're saying But God said But God said But God said, but God said Boom, boom, boom You keep hammering You keep hammering You keep hammering You keep hammering But God said But God said But God said But God said No, 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 no I am a homo homosexual that's not the truth that's not the truth now you may have homosexual feelings but that's not who you are because god says once you've accepted christ you are a saint you are a son or daughter of the living god that's who you are Satan's got you thinking you something you were never meant to be. But you've been thinking it so long that now you believe it. But now you got to say, no, devil, you just lied to me. You told me I'm a homosexual. God tells me I'm righteous in Him. So you lying, God's telling the truth in spite of how I'm feeling. Devil, you said I'm an alcoholic. God says I'm not an alcoholic. Now I may have a propensity toward alcohol but now that I'm repeating what God has said, I'm going to move this partition so the spirit of God can go through. God says I'm a man says I'm nobody. My mother said I'm nobody. Mama was lying because God says I am somebody. I'm a son or daughter of the living God. That's the truth and I'm going to keep saying the truth and I'm going to tear down this partition and I'm not going to let you lie to me. You a lie, and the devil's not going to have his way in this and you keep bombarding with the truth and I don't care how long or how high that wall has been. How long that wall's been up. You keep having a bam with the truth. And then one of these minutes, you're going to see a little crack. There's going to be a little crack in there. There's going to be a little crack. And you know what that crack means? This wall's on its way down. That crack means this wall is on its way down. And once you see that crack, you ain't going to let it go. And you will see the truth set you free.